Welcome to GrishaCast, episode 41. In this very special episode, we bring you a conversation with Lee Bardugo. This is your host, Eric, from Nashville, Tennessee. This is your podcast for all things Grishaverse, a world created by the wonderful Lee Bardugo. For those of you asking how you can support us, we would greatly appreciate tips. Your tips will help us to continue to bring you the Grisha cast. You can Venmo a tip to at B-O-D-H-I-M-M or cash app dollar sign B-O-D-H-I-M-M. When we started this journey of the Grisha cast almost a year ago, we had no idea where it would take us. From our humble beginnings in a one-room studio, sitting at our great-great-grandfather's handmade table, no soundproofing on the walls, to now in the beautiful studios of Bodhi Multimedia. We have had quite the journey, and we are honored to be spending it with you, our listeners and viewers. This is a very special episode for two reasons. First, if you've noticed on the credits, if you watch us on YouTube, some time ago we added an assistant producer— Jesse has been helping us in the control room during our Thursday night recordings. In real life, Jesse is an EMT with a very demanding job and a very talented fiance named Chloe. On last week's episode, Terry laughed about seeing Eric's husband in a hot dog costume getting coffee. Chloe is an amazing artist and quickly put that vision onto the screen. Jesse's job has changed his schedule, and he sadly has to leave the show. Although you don't see our crew, the fact that you can hear us, Terry and I, is a testament to their work behind the scenes. Jesse, we deeply appreciate the time and talent you've given to the Grisha cast over the last many weeks. We wish you well, and you're welcome back at any time. This show is also special in that we are honored to bring you a conversation we had with Lee Bardugo. As this show is based around the Grishaverse, it was only fitting that our first guest and interviewee was the Queen herself. We are thankful for Jordan Hill and her media team at New Leaf Literary for coordinating this meetup and allowing us to dive right into asking Lee all the things we and our listeners wanted to know. We knew she was great, but having spent an hour in conversation with her, we've learned not only is she an amazing author— but she is a humble, sweet, and engaging human being. With that being said, we would like to welcome to the show, Lee Bardugo. Moi sabienyi, Lee. We are so excited that you could join us here on Grisha Cast. Since October of last year, we have dedicated every Thursday night to discussing the Grishaverse one chapter at a time. This podcast is a tribute to you and your creation that has touched us and so many fans. We've had so much fun bringing together your fandom from across the globe to discuss and fan out about anything and everything Grishaverse. Jen, now we have the most, possibly the most important question. This has been kind of a theme on our podcast, and we talk about this quite a bit. We would love to know, what is Ism Rude up to these days? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is a deep cut, guys. Isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he's doing his deep worm things. He's he's making tunnels and eating people who get lost in mines and hoarding treasure. You know, usual, awesome. Usual monstrous worm stuff. Yeah. He's on monstrous worm Tinder, just being like looking out for lady worms. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> this is what quarantine has done to me. You got him like. I know. So now I'm thinking about if Isamrude has like a mating call now. Wow. Oh, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure it sounds akin to, I'm thinking like a tuba, like a deep tuba, <laughs> bass horn kind of call. That's know? very fitting. Yeah. We've all, we always have thought that he's just going around those tunnels and he's, he's hearing everybody, especially like in the beginning <laughs> of Ruin and Rising. Like he hears people, but he can't find them. And he's just like wandering <laughs> around. He's like, hello. Oh, yeah. I love that. That he's like trying to find them and be like, friend. Yeah. Yeah, yes. exactly. Like friend. And then they're just gone. So I think he's still, I don't know. I've always just been like, I guess he's still just traveling, trying to find his friends. Forever. 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 It's hard out there for a worm. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Okay. This next question, using characters from other fandoms, who would you pick to do the ice court heist? One mm-hmm. of our fans, Shahad Reads, 
says, you once said that Matthias reminded you of Zuko and she yeah. can't stop thinking about it. Oh, I love that. I, we, uh, my partner and I just watched all, uh, he had never seen Avatar. So we watched uh, all of Avatar The Last Airbender and all of Legend of Korra. So yes. Yes. Um, yes, I do think Matthias has a Zuko streak. You know, he has a redemption arc. He's very invested in his honor. Um, so there's definitely some similarities there. I think, wow, different fandoms. Okay, I'm going to go with, okay, Tyrion Lannister, because he's, you know, brilliant. So master right. planner. I'm going to go with, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Bo from She-Ra. I don't know if you guys have ever watched She-Ra, but it's oh. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There could not be an aesthetic that is further from my own, but it is a delight. Um, and I think I'm going to go with Sister Knight from Watchmen because it's the best thing I've watched during quarantine and she's really a badass. And I'm also going to throw Uncle Iroh in there from um, Avatar because I love him so much and I feel like after the kids did their heist they would need some wisdom and some tea and he would he would welcome them and and have <laughs> wisdom for them yeah okay that sounds like actually a really great team yeah I don't know that. I, I <laughs> that definitely calls to my, in mind you know they might save the world if they don't kill each other first type of thing but that's my favorite kind of crew so well that's awesome yeah, that's great like a good complimental team so speaking of the ice court and that whole scene what was the most difficult scene you have ever written and what was mm -hmm. your favorite i think the most difficult was um in crooked kingdom there's a scene where um kaz helps Inez change her bandages and yeah. um that is a scene that i probably rewrote and I'm not exaggerating, 20, 30, maybe 40 times, wow. you know, with, with, with small changes every time. And I, I didn't, you know, burn it down and then build it from scratch. It was these small changes, these small iterations and trying to get kind of the music of that scene uh, to, to really work because they are two people with so much history and um, so much pain and still so much love for each other. And it was just this very delicate thing that, I, you know, we've been waiting, <laughs> or I hope readers were waiting through almost two books for these people to touch and to have this kind of intimate exchange. And I wanted to deliver for readers, but also honor and be true to the experiences of both characters. So that was and exhausting, um, but <laughs> I, but gratifying experience. Um, wow. And yeah, easiest, was the easiest scene? Was that the other question? Easiest or favorite? Oh, favorite. Hmm. I love the scene where Kaz and Jesper just like beat each other up in Crooked Kingdom. And there's a scene in um, the sequel to, there's a few scenes actually and obviously these are foremost in my mind but there's a few scenes in the sequel to king of scars oh. that i um <laughs> that i just loved writing and were just tremendous fun um i mean it's a book with with because i am who i am it's a book with a considerable amount of trauma and sadness and i hope catharsis for our characters but i also think it's um one of the more fun books i've written but then again i thought ninth house was funny and other people disagreed, so. <laughs> I, so who can say? So the scene that you said from um, King of Scars 2, without giving up too much information, would you, like, could you tell us maybe, like, a character that that was, like, for the favorite? Um, no. <laughs> no? Okay. I don't want to give away anything. This is a book okay. with a lot. It, okay, for, uh, here's what I'll tell you about King of Scars 2. It is long. Okay. Um, it is, I, I, I think the ideal length for a book is like 400 uh, to 500 pages, I think, which is not to say I haven't enjoyed much longer books. You know, I've read a lot of George R. R. Martin and, and that man loves to string a sentence together. Yeah. So I love a long book, but as a writer who, you know, we, we rarely have all the time we want to revise a book. I feel like once a book gets past that length, it becomes unwieldy. So unless, you know, in order to revise, because you're starting over every time I read all of my books out loud when I'm revising them. So 
I, this is a long one. It's um, almost as long as Crooked Kingdom, um, which is my longest book, but it's, and so much happens in it because there were so many things. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to end up writing a third Six of Crows book, but this for me was like, I wanted this to be, I'm bringing together a lot of different things in the Grishaverse in this book. And so um, I'm pretty excited about it and nervous about it and, and all those good things. And it is bizarre to me that it's not coming out until March because it's going to be really hard not to slip up and give away spoilers before then. Oh my gosh. Well, just letting you know, we are all so excited. I cannot wait, cannot <laughs> wait to yeah. read it. And um, now since you've told me it's long, that makes me even happier yes. because I just want to keep <laughs> reading. So um, anyways, it's going to be great. So my next question, you are very inclusive with your writing. Me being a Slytherin and a Harry Potter fan, that means quite a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Do you think we will ever read about a transgender character in the Grishaverse? Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it's on me that there hasn't been more gender diversity in the series already. Um, you know, that's that's something that I, you know, <laughs> it's kind of you to say I'm inclusive in my writing, but if you go back and read the first book in the Shadow and Bone trilogy, it is extremely white and extremely straight. And, you know, I had to really give some serious thought to why that was, because I didn't grow up in uh, in a social group that was white or straight. And so I think I was echoing maybe a lot of the fantasy I had read and loved as a kid and a lot of the culture I had absorbed as a kid. And I had to take corrective measures as I went and, and try to improve on that front. Um, and I would say too, I mean, I would actually love to ask you as a Slytherin, and somebody who found such comfort in those books, I, I don't quite know how to negotiate my relationship to them at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't think I can ever give up the stories in the sense that like the, those audiobooks got me through my father's death, you know, they were a place of refuge for me, but I, you know, I, this was this way for me to connect with readers so easily and happily, like a, somebody would be in a signing line and be wearing, you know, a, a Harry Potter t-shirt and we talk about which house they were in and, right. and you know, which was their favorite <clears throat> character, which was her favorite book. And it was this instant sense of community and connection. And I don't honestly feel <laughs> that connection anymore. Um, and and I know I'll get shit for that. I've already gotten shit for that on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I just, <laughs> this is sort of an, on, this isn't somebody screwing up and being called out for, for a mistake. This is somebody who's dug their heels in and waged a campaign of what I consider to be misinformation and hate when people's lives are literally on the line. So Absolutely. I don't know. I get very emotional about this. Like, it just breaks my heart. Same it, here. It did the same thing for me. It took me um, months to try to figure out what was going on um, because they mean so much to me. And then the essay came out that she wrote and I read it and my mouth just dropped because I didn't know what to do. I have so much Harry Potter like merchandise same. and I was, I was so concerned about wearing like my Slytherin shirt and then being around like a trans friend and then being offended by it because they should they could be and yeah. I totally could see that so it's a hard thing for us to navigate through and one thing that I have found is that the fandom is very upset against what has been said yeah. and I've disconnected myself from the author. I love the art and I still will yeah. always love it and remember what it gave to me, but I am no longer a fan of, of the author. So it took me a while say, to get there. Though. I think it's funny that we haven't said her name, like she's Voldemort. We're like, <laughs> right? the author, this person, the unnamed party. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be totally frank too. I didn't, <laughs> we're, maybe we need to move on from this, but I'll say also, I'll say two things. One is that I really wasn't following any of this. I'm not on Twitter very often. Um, and less so recently, um, and I, I really didn't know. And then the essay came out, and I read the essay with a very open mind. You right. know, and my, I was like, surely I have misunderstood. Yes. I will gain some clarity. 
I will learn some things. And exactly. instead, uh, you know, it, it is actually a remarkable piece of work because it pivots again and again. At first it's, you know, we're afraid of you, then it's we're afraid for you. None of it is sourced. Right. Um, it really got to me. And, yeah. uh, and, and I just, uh, my heart breaks for uh, her fans. Yeah. For her readers, and it just makes me furious. So, um, the one other thing I would say is, um, if people are interested in reading fantasy or science fiction by trans authors, I just read a wonderful book called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. I've heard so, a lot about that. Oh, it's so good, and it's okay. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I think it's fairly soon. I, I have an arc, so I'm not totally sure. And then I also have on my list um, Dreadnought by... April Daniels, and I don't remember the name of the author, but um, it's this book called The Brilliant Death that has this gorgeous cover, um, which I will admit I picked up because the cover was so beautiful, <laughs> because that's what I'm like. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> I am a, I'm a sucker for a good cover, but I'm pretty Same. excited for that too. So yeah, I heart breaks for uh, her fans. Yeah. For her readers in the heat of, of the moment after the essay where people were saying, you know, read this author, not that author. If you're doing that, you know, the authors you should be hyping are trans authors and, and, and not, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate the love, I do, but those are the voices that need more promotion. Well, I will definitely check out those books. Thanks for those recommendations. I love it when books have maps of the worlds that they are taking place in. In all of the Grishaverse books, there is always a map, and sometimes that map even changes due to the plot, which is brilliant and just so cool. I just wanted to know, how involved are you in the process of creating these maps? I would say moderately, moderately involved. Um, okay. Uh, so I draw the maps I, badly, very badly. <laughs> no artistic skill at all. Um, but I draw, you know, the, the map and sort of indicate where everything is on it with the, the thing I was probably most involved in was the plan of the ice court, which <laughs> readers may be interested to know that it was originally it had four sectors instead of three because I wanted it to be super symmetrical. But my editor felt that the plot had gotten too crowded. And so we ended up pulling one of those sectors out. Um, but the original plan really it looks like a target uh, uh, with four quadrants. Yeah, and then uh, and then the city plan for Catterdam was extremely elaborate. That was something where I really had to think about all of the streets and um, the location of everything. And when I have somebody running west or running east, and um, how things were connected. So the initial drawing of that was considerably more uh, detailed than the other maps I had done. After that, I'm involved in picking the artist for okay. the map. <laughs> and then we will get drafts and I'll say, you know, can we tweak this or can we move this or, you know, the, this is off or, you know, can we get more of this or that? But that is really the extent of it. Um, the, uh, our art director at Imprint, um, is a woman named Natalie Souza, and uh, she's just, I think, so talented and so good at all of this. Um, the first book I did with them was uh, Language of Thorns, which I think they just did an, an extraordinary job on. Yes, they did. They really did. And we did the new um, map with Sveta Dorsheva um, that's in those books. You know, she art directed that and all of the interiors, the new cover for the special edition or collector's edition of Shadow and Bone. Can't wait. Um, and the cover of King of Scars and then the cover for the sequel, which I have only seen sketches of so far, but I'm pretty excited about the concept we have for it. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm lucky to work very, with very talented people. And I think in general, they try to... <laughs> Um, not let the author pick on the artist too much um, yeah. because we're such control freaks. I think that's the nature of being a world builder is that you want to, you have a very clear vision of everything that you want. And, and when you see it, even a, a small thing that wasn't quite the way you had in your head, the urge is to correct it. But there's a limit to how much you can push an artist before you will actually break that person. So, right. Well, it sounds like you're pretty involved with that. That's amazing. I, I mean, look, I grew up reading fantasy, so having a map for my world is really 
yep. pretty magical for me. Yeah. Agreed. Which character of yours do most fans assume that you wrote after yourself and are they correct? Wow. <laughs> I don't, you, would, <laughs> you might have better insight into this than I do. It was, I've never really had readers come up to me and say, you remind me of this person or that person. Maybe occasionally Nina. Okay. Um, we're both that's Carrie's favorite. Babies. Yeah, that's my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> um, I think I'm, you know, Nina is me on a good day, on the best day. I wish I had her confidence and her, um, well, and her magical powers. Um, but right. I, I wish I had that every single day. But she's, um, she's one of those characters who's really joyful to write. Yeah. Oh, I, yep. Because I, Terry's my best friend and when I couldn't wait for us to get to Six of Crows so she could read it um, and be familiar with the characters and she fell in love with Nina and I was like, you're just, you're like her. You are <laughs> oh, Nina. So it's so amazing. And um, I've always, um, I feel like I'm Wylan. That's just, Aww. that is totally me. And um, I just, I love the progression that he has, but um, anyways. Well, uh, he, I have to say every character, every character I write has a piece of me in them, you know, and it's funny, when, but you don't actually, or I don't, I don't really know until I'm, I will find myself writing a scene and realize that I am pulling very explicitly from my own emotional catalog. And Wylan, I don't think of myself as being very much like Wylan, right? Like... I'm very loud, I'm very large, <laughs> and uh, and I'm very bad at science. But there's a moment where he's talking about his father's voice in his head and how much it had held him back yeah. and how afraid he had been to try things and fail thing, at things. And I realized as I was writing that, that was, you know, I have that voice in my head, I think, we all do and part of being a creative person is conquering that voice or at least getting it to shut up for a while so yeah. i think that um i remember writing that and saying oh okay wylan that's too that's that's how we're connected and that's always sort of a joy because it makes you closer to the character it's it's as if you thought you understood but you didn't really understand until the book shows you right our next question actually has two different questions, kind of, but I'm going to ask the first one first. So um, if you could move to the Grishaverse, where would you like to live? <laughs> as far away from the fighting as possible. <laughs> I want to live. Um, where would I live? Wow, that is a tough one. I mean, the place I would most, that is in my head most beautiful is probably the Little Palace. I okay. think it is, you know. So in Azalta. Yeah, but bad things happen there, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah. I feel like I would just want to do a tour and then come <laughs> home. Like, I want to be like, the sights of the Grishaverse. And then I'd be like, now, going home and sleeping in my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's nice to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. Right. And you probably won't. Your life expectancy is very low. Exactly. There. Yeah. Right. Now, this next question is uh, from a fan, Ashley Taylor. If you could live in any fandom besides your own, which one would you choose? Damn, I mean, it used to be Hogwarts, right? So <laughs> Right, yeah. Um, Not there anymore. I've killed that one. I've moved out myself. I know. I'm now in Elfheim. Oh, I would love that, but God, talk about another place you would die horribly. <laughs> Yeah, um, good point. But I think it would be worth it. You know what? I'm going with you to Elfheim because really? that aesthetic is the purest like form of my my like teenage id. It's everything. I read that book. Um, I read uh, what's the first one? The Cruel, Cruel Prince. Prince. Yeah. I read um, a draft of The Cruel Prince on my way to meet Holly at a writer's retreat. I mean, we'd met before, but we were, you know, to, to see her and cause we were gonna workshop it. And I remember being on the plane and you know, you start reading, you don't know what you're gonna walk into. And then just being like, what? what? And I was like, where's the rest of it? Because it wasn't finished. Like I was incensed. I was like, write faster, hand me chapters. Like they were, and I realized like, have you guys ever seen Labyrinth? 
Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Yes, we were, we were children when, yeah, we watched that. You yes. have to, like, there's a dividing line between people who have seen it and understand and people who are like, what now? I oh. got, I got asked all the time how the Goblin King was when I was younger, because apparently we looked alike, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I would have liked to see your hair back then. Um, but, you know, that movie, there's the scene in that movie that, that Masquerade Ball is really the heart of that film. It is the scene that everybody attaches to if you see it at a particular age. It is the dream. Right. Like, please let David Bowie invite me to a masquerade ball full of weirdos. Like, like I'm still waiting for my invitation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, oh. And Holly's fairyland is that, you know, in the cruelty of it, in the decadence of it, in the beauty of it, is for me, it scratches that itch the way nothing has since I was a kid and I saw that scene. So, yeah, let's go to Elfham. Oh, my we'll God. Die, I'm packing we'll my bags with now. you. That makes yes. me excited. Okay, my next question. Um, you talked about one TV show, but is there any other like quarantine activities that you've been enjoying to pass the time? Oh God, I was just talking to some friends about the fact that none of us have hobbies. Like, like we have, we have no, I don't, you know, knit or I don't do embroidery. Like I, and I probably shouldn't because my eyes are shot, but. Sourdough um, kick. <laughs> I was baking a lot, like in the middle of all of this. Well, I don't know what the middle is because we don't know how long it's going to go. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the middle, please. Um, I, I did do a lot of baking and cooking um, and some gardening. Um, I murdered a lovely little basil plant. I know. Um, Those are hard to kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you came to the right place. <laughs> Um, if we ever need a guy. If, yeah. I, I am apparently the Casbrecker of plant assassins. So, um, and honestly, that's kind of it. We've watched a lot of TV. Um, we watched, we've watched a lot of TV and I've been on deadline. So I've been working. Yeah. Um, What's in the future? What can the fandom expect from the Grishaverse after King of Scars 2 is released? Can you share with us any of those projects? Um, we do, okay, so we have, in October, we have coming up the Collector's Edition and Lives of Saints. Right. Um, and Lives of Saints is going to be, I hope, fun for readers, because one, it's a, it's a literal prop from the show, so I hope that that will be a little bit of a taste of what's to come. Um, and it has in it, I think, almost 30 little stories in it about different saints, and there's tons of Easter eggs in them that sort of connect. Am I still there? Yes. Yeah, we're just oh. excited about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't wait. I've already, I pre-ordered the minute that you like. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's thir- like almost 30 little stories, some long, some short, that are about these different saints. And some are familiar, but I got to do all of the saints from Inej's Knives. Um, I cool. took I took some of the stories from, um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but there are certain things you guys will recognize um, from the language of thorns, from yes. um, different story, it, like where I got to connect things and to really ask the question of um, how magic and power are interpreted through different lenses. And there's saints sort of from all over the world. Most of them are Rothkin, but there are Suli saints and um, Shu saints and Zemini saints. So it was very challenging <laughs> to yeah, write that. that many. And I wrote most of them on set actually. Um, while I was on the set of the show in Budapest. Um, so that's happening in October. Okay. Um, and then sequel come to King of Scars comes out um, in March, late March. Right. I, I can't speak to when they're going to release the show. I know people are impatient for it. Oh, yeah. I think that's partially because, you know, we started releasing stuff because we didn't obviously know COVID was coming. Yeah. And so we thought we'd be in a different timeline. So a lot of things had to slow down. Um, We were lucky in that we finished shooting, but there's so much work that has to go into a show after that. Um, And so we're just kind of in a holding pattern and and people we're editing, we're sound mixing. Um, Joe Trapanese, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, our composer, Joe Trapanese, Joe Trapanese. Oh, Joe, forgive me if you ever hear this. Um, (laughs) 
He's uh, recording with an orchestra in Budapest right now, which has been really cool to listen in on. But like yeah. to give you an idea of how locked down we are, I recorded literally three seconds on the orchestra and I was like, can I just share it? And they were like, nope. So gotcha. yeah, um, so I'm trying to be respectful of that. And I think it'll all be worth it when it comes down the line. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So and as for what happens after that, um, I, I do have some ideas for other things said in the Grisha verse. To me, I always leave doors open at the ends of stories because I want to have the opportunity to go other places yes. and, and to visit with the characters there. So, but I should warn people too. I get a lot of requests for Six of Crows 3 and I'm like, you know bad things will happen. It <laughs> right, won't just right. be them like hanging out and <laughs> eating delicious foods and, you know, shopping at Ikea. Like... <laughs> Bad shit will happen to these characters. So you got to ask yourself, are you sure? Are you sure you want that third book? <laughs> Not entirely trustworthy. So you know. that actually came up in several of our fan questions. If there was a <laughs> Six of Crows three. Um, I think, though, that because those characters are so human that I think everyone relates to them. And that's probably why they want that. I, that's what I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I love writing them and I love writing heists, but they're... It's a, it's a very challenging, heists and cons are a very challenging um, form. Yeah, and I bet. I also think they get redundant for readers. You know, you have to really find a way to keep those things fresh. So I think I needed to be away from that. Um, but the thing I've realized is that I found ways to write cons and heists anyway. I mean, Nina's whole, Nina's undercover. So she's constantly in a state of conning all those around her. And there are little sort of mini heists that are built into these stories at this point, because I think that's sort of the way my brain works. My son has been begging for me to ask you a question. And um, we actually, he's our foster child and we've had him almost maybe about a year. He's 13, his name is Caden. And he was dying for me to ask you, what is your favorite ice cream? <laughs> I want them all. I refuse to choose. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm fairly firmly committed to mint chip. I think. Okay. You know, depends okay. on my mood, but I, I, I like, I like a mint chip ice cream. I would like to know what Caden's favorite is. That's that. Caden's favorite it, you're, this is crazy. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. It's just he's he's a simple kid. He loves straight up vanilla. That's it. Wow. Yep. Well, loves I guess vanilla. We're not gonna be friends. No, I think that's great. Yes. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Vanilla is a blank canvas, so you can add whatever you want to vanilla. And it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's not bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. um well, I, I hope that he has enjoyed the books and uh, that's lovely. I haven't <laughs> let him read the books yet, um, <laughs> but um, he's a big Percy Jackson fan, so I can't get him away from those. He just keeps reading those over and over and over and over again. Um, but know, that's okay. I feel like as long as kids are reading, I don't really care. You know, my parents were great about that. Like, yeah, as long as I was reading, it didn't matter what I was reading, you know? I, they would take me to the library. We would go sit in the bookstore for hours and hours and bless the bookstores because I cannot think of any other business where you're allowed to just go and sit and, and essentially eat for free, feed your mind for free. Like as a kid with a working mom, like that was, there could be no greater joy for me than getting to go and sit. And often I made bad choices. I read a lot of Garfield books, but you know, <laughs> whatever it takes. Uh. I think I read all of those. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to which Grisha order and or sub order would you like to be in? You know, well, now I would absolutely be a healer because I would be like, COVID away. <laughs> there you um, go. Okay. I mean, think about it. But um, in the past, I've always, I think I'm very bloodthirsty. And so I've always loved the idea of having the power of a heart render. But I think deep down, I'm a fabricator, and I like That's to be left alone with my with my work in my little laboratory. That's actually the exact same answer that I gave. Well, we have the same shirt. We're I know. We are, we are one. We really are. And I'm wearing blue because I would like to be an ethereal Kai. So, nice. Um, which, which, uh, which 
order of the I think I, well, see, I'm a huge Zoya fan, so I kind of want to be a squalor, but nice. Um, I go, I just go back and forth sometimes. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's between a squalor. Um, no, I definitely want to be a squalor. I'm going to stop lying. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yep, I'm a squalor. So, I'm, I'm really excited that you guys are into Zoya and Nina because they both have, this is the book of, I mean, so much happens to them in this book. Oh, I can't wait. And to, there's, there's, there's two, I mean, you know, I always do those um, opening POVs, but aside from the opening POVs that are different, there's two new POVs in this book. And Ooh, yeah. That's, That's why great. it's so bloody long, but it, <laughs> I'm really, it's a kind of wild book. I'm really excited about it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody is excited <laughs> about it. Everybody's excited about the title and we just yeah. can't wait. So every little bit of information that we get, oh, we're just eating. Well, I, I, we are doing everything we can to get people the title and cover by the end of August, but you know the cover has to be refined like like i said i haven't seen final comps of it or anything so we would rather wait and oh, yeah. show you the show you what we want to show you um as opposed to trying to rush something oh absolutely and, girl take your time i will be here the entire time just waiting so i mean i just <laughs> i just get excited about it i don't so. even let myself use the title like when i'm like talking about the book uh even with my publisher i don't talk about it because I'm afraid I'll let it slip at some point. Gotcha. And yeah. No, I'm going to be very foolish, but yeah. Nina is known for loving waffles. Mm. What is one meal that you can eat over and over again without getting tired of it? Wow. Well, waffles, but also, <laughs> um, I, so my favorite comfort food is musubi. It's, um, spam. It's, it's spam and rice wrapped in nori, and I love it so much. Mm. I could eat it for every meal and be very happy. Well, it sounds delicious. <laughs> it is, and it's also like I don't, I don't have you know seaweed paper around my house. <laughs> I can, I could, but I don't. I'm not much of a cook. You should, you should know that. <laughs> yes, I do. I do pay attention to your socials and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're trying to be nice. Of course. Well, we love her. I can. I am one of those people who can make like three things and make them well. And I always bring the same thing to parties. And and I do like to bake, but I'm not a good baker. And um, the reason I like to bake is because I'm not a good baker. It is I can. I have to focus entirely on the recipe with my whole um, mind and heart in an attempt to 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 make the, the recipe come to fruition and so i can't be thinking about anything else and also even if you screw up a dessert you hand somebody a cake or a pie or a heap of cookies and they don't care if they're exactly. a little or heavy they're like cake pie cookies and if they aren't you know that person sucks <laughs> well, right? well next time you come to nashville for a book tour i will make sure to bring you some of my famous banana pudding <laughs> and you will die it oh. is the best. I'm sorry, but I hate banana. You Ooh. hate bananas. Well, maybe when I, I say I hate banana, because only mean, I mean I guess I could do it without bananas. The, no the best bananas. part is everything else. I will um, have the everything else. I'll have the pudding. You know what? Banana. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make you a bananaless <laughs> banana pudding, and that it'll be delicious. Amazing. I bet it will like, be. Isn't that you know why? Everything cake? without banana is delicious. Mine doesn't. See, that's the thing. Mine. I don't use wafers. That's the secret that I have at the bottom of mine. I crumble it up so no one knows what it is. I have a secret <gasps> thing that I put. And I oh, make my own like fresh whipped cream and the pudding itself is homemade. So it's just going to be kind of like a vanilla delight. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I've just As long as there's no, but I, I, I used a banana. So I bought this avocado hair mask the other day, or I thought I did. You Except I didn't did. read, I thought I did. I didn't read carefully and it said with banana. So I was like, well, perhaps it won't be so bad. And I opened this hair mask in the shower and just gagged. It was so, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very cheap too. So I was like, I bought it. I'm going to use it. So I just endured it. You just suffered through it. Hey, you gotta I just do what you gotta suffered do. through it. I spent 
too much money on that hair mask not to not to use it but wow it's just smelled vile um, beauty is pain beauty is pain Thank or you. selling out to be a masochist whatever <laughs> whatever works yeah. exactly so one of our questions um like the story sancta sanctia book that's coming out the supplemental material do you think that there would be any more like maybe more so of his journals or the intro to small science <laughs> oh that's a good idea yeah um, we've, we've um, got ideas I, I'm like, hmm, write that down. Um, we have a couple of things in the works. One is a sort of long-term thing because there's a lot of art involved in it. And I'll say too that, um, you know, my hope is somewhere down the road, we'll get to do a kind of um, world companion guide to the Grishaverse. I think that would be, I really love uh, lore. Like I just, I love the lore of things. I love the stories of things, the backstory, the history. <laughs> like that's my... That's my, I love digression. <laughs> like, Girl, that's what I talk about during the entire podcast. I like make, I pause everybody and I'm like, sorry, I have to read this quote because I love the inside parts of these stories that make it, I, oh. Oh, that makes me happy. You're going to love Lives of Saints. This book is basically my love letter to you then because it is so full of these weird connections. And okay. I like, and did you guys ever read the book that Princess Bride was based on? No. No. Um, it's great. Skip the prologue, but the rest is just fantastic. Um, and it's, there's a whole like chapter where it's just like, let us discuss the history of the most beautiful women in the world. And even as a kid, that was my favorite, like any digression about history or, and you know, if you've read Ninth House, you'll see that too. Like all I care about is, is, is weird, uh, is lore and building lore. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of that, and, and I would love to do more of it, but it's the kind of thing that is really just for, just for readers, just for fans, um, and, and for me, <laughs> so um, yeah. honestly, getting to be able to do the Lives of Saints was really, like, this tremendous blessing. I don't, I don't know if people realize, I'm gonna be corny for a minute, and just say, like, I mean, first of all, I'm grateful to you guys for doing this podcast, I'm truly honored and delighted, and um, but also like to be able to write in this world for so long is just such a gift. Like I have so many friends who have um, started series or had ideas for continuing series and they've never gotten to do them. And the only reason I've been able to keep writing in this world and generate these stories is because I've had readers who've stuck with me and who have talked about the books and promoted the books yeah. and written fanfic for the books and created art and edits and playlists. and. I, I don't know if readers understand how powerful that is. Like there's really no substitute for it. Like it, it creates, it brings people into the world and into these stories. And I'm just super grateful for it. It's, it is true. <laughs> when you get to write, I guess I'm on my, I don't know, my ninth book in this world, something like that. And I mean, I'm just very fortunate. So yeah. thank you. Well, I like, I love, when I heard that you were coming, coming out with the Istori Sanctio, that's my like total gig. So I like flipped out and then like, I came up with like, you could even write like a story, Druskella, a history of cleansing our world, you know, like maybe like the way that that's they- That's dark. Um, wow. That's it is very dark. Stuff right Girl, there. I'm a Slytherin. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. But also from Ooh. Ninth House, like we did get the little excerpts of the life of Leafy, procedures and protocols. Was that mm -hmm. the whole book? Or maybe like if it wasn't, you could write that whole like book. Well, hilariously, cool. um, I, you know, we, I, 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 we always do pre-order campaigns for books and um, we try to come up with some fun, some fun stuff. And somebody was like, well, why don't you just do the life of Leafy? And I was like, it doesn't exist. Like I'll have to yeah. write the whole damn thing. And I'm not that kind of writer. I didn't like, I'm not like a Tolkien who sat down and wrote the whole damn thing before I wrote the book. Like the only parts of that book that exist, there were a couple that were cut, but they are in the book, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I guess we've got two more fan questions. So All yeah. Right. So um, Meow Zila would like to know if an amplifier like the Darkling can use the amplification on themselves. No. Um, okay. uh, Agrisha can only have one amplifier. Uh, the whole 
and because he is an amplifier, he can't have further amplification. That's why he couldn't claim Moritzova stag for himself. And it's why Moritzova's amplifiers are so unique. And um, somebody asked me, so like, well, doesn't Zoya have two amplifiers? I mean, spoiler, if you haven't read King of Scars. Well, um, yeah, I don't know how to preface that, but no, she has one amplifier. They're just divided into two. It's divided into two fetters. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, right now, my King of Scars is my favorite book because you've combined it everything so far. Like that is my favorite. And I can't wait till we get to that because we're in Crooked Kingdom right now in the podcast. We just started it. So um, we'll be going to um, King of Scars next, which is very exciting. Yay. So, um, <laughs> This is, I mean, I have to say, in the past with my books, I've been able to say, well, you don't have to read this series, you can read this series, and I built this so you don't have to read this series, and at this point, I'm like, yeah, you got to read all of them, or they won't make sense. Yeah, yep. that's why we started at the beginning. Yep, it makes the best sense if you start from the beginning and just go through. To me, it does. Um, I'm always fascinated when I hear from people who are like, oh, I picked up King of Scars first, and I'm like, damn, like, that has got to be weird to then go back and be like, wait, what? Alina's alive? Like, you know, there's, and people who read Six of Crows first and right. I, you know, I do my best to make the books accessible, but I just think, I think you get more out of them if you know the history and, you know, if you met the characters before. Yeah, well, have the background. Yeah, it explains what's going on. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I know a lot of people that read Six of Crows first and it's just so odd to me. I just, I can't imagine entering from there. I kind of like it. I'm like, because then you think you know how that trilogy is gonna end, but you're Oh. But I do wonder if King of Scars was your first entry in the Grishaverse, like would the end of that book have any real impact on you? Cause they'd be like, he's back. And you'd be like, we'll see again. Right, you'd have no. Yeah, you couldn't, you'd have no clue. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be as such a big surprise as it would be to the fans that have, have read right. the other novel. Right. Yeah. So anyways. Um, and then our last listener question from Kylie Griffin. What is the height difference between Nikolai and Zoya? She is <laughs> dying to know. So I hope you've thought and figured this out. Oh I hope you've God. got a book that has like, all of your characters uh, and their specific, their weight, their like the height, whether they got their tests done. I mean, wow. Um, I would put Nikolai at around six two, and I would put Zoya at around five nine. Okay. But oh, but I, <laughs> like I won't pretend. I know how I picture them in my head, but it's not like. I'm then thinking of how tall they are. Like, but I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know Inej's exact height, but when I gave, when I gave Kevin Wada instructions for the posters, I had character heights uh, on all of them because I, I knew they were gonna be next to each other in the poster and I wanted to make sure those relationships were accurate. Um, but I think that's more the way I think about height. I don't have in my head, like when I build characters, I don't write like, a little character history for everybody, which I'm not casting aspersions on, like whatever my right. theory on writing is, whatever allows you to write the book successfully and, and with the least pain is what you should be doing. But that's not my particular mode. So I don't have like a character Bible with all of the heights, but if you put all the crows together, be like, okay, well, Jesper is uh, the tallest and Matthias is a very close second. And then uh, Nina and Kaz and then, you know, like, that's the way my my brain would process it. I have one last thing to do. I want to give you one last fear to Mary Kill, and then that'll end <laughs> us, okay? But this one, I'm just gonna let you know, is not an easy one. Oh God, is it with my characters again? It I is. That's so like I mean, that's the monster. That's, that's the point, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're children. I well, we to get prepared for this. You would be surprised how many Fear to Mary kills I came up with. And some of them had like mixed, like even fandoms, which Love was it. like, but anyways, we had to narrow everything down. But I want to okay. do this very, this last one, because right. I think you might get a kick out of it. Um, and just to let you know, we have to do these on the show too, all <laughs> the time. But I know that they're your babies because you wrote them, but. It's so. all right. Let's okay. hear it. 
So, Fury and Mary Kill, Vasily, the Apparat, a Volcra. <laughs> oh my Love God. Love it. You pervert. All right. We are. We're dirty. This is gross. Um, it is. Okay. I guess I would. Oh, I would fear it in Vasily. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I would kill the apparat and I would marry a Volcra. Wow. We would live together in the shadow fold. Godly comes out. Little monster babies. Oh. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, now well, at least I know how to theme my wedding. Just there yes, you go. exactly. <laughs> Monster Babies is the Monster theme. Monster Babies. Mm -hmm. Well, Lee, thank you so much. This has been an honor. Um, oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, this has just been incredible. The um, I I can't I don't even know what to say. But we always um, as you know, we just end our podcast the same way. So um, it's been a pleasure. No mourners. No funerals. What a fantastic interview. Terry and I had so much fun. We will definitely be having Lee back soon. Obviously, Terry couldn't be with us today, but she will be back next week. I definitely missed her a lot because being in this soundproof room all alone is creepy. I miss you, girl. Love you. And can't wait to see you next week. But... Before we go, we asked Lee one more question that I think you listeners might be interested to hear. Are you curious to know what she said about the sequel to Ninth House? Is there a second one of Ninth House? Like, oh, yes. That's the oh, next thing I'll be doing. Now that we're locking, I, I'm in the last round of... We're about to go to line edits for King of Scars 2. And then, okay. you know, there's still sort of tidying up of the book for first it's we do first pass and second pass to get it locked but um then i'll be transitioning to writing um the sequel that's another one i have to be careful about soon <laughs> the sequel to ninth house which is a very different writing process from yeah. the previous books yeah next week we will continue with our read through of crooked kingdom and cover chapters 14 and 15 thanks again for listening to grisha cast This has been GrishaCast. Connect with us on the web at GrishaCast.com. Send an email to info at GrishaCast.com. Follow us on Instagram at GrishaCast, YouTube at GrishaCast, Twitter at GrishaPodcast, and Facebook at GrishaCast. <laughs>